back on Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Thanks again to Nick Stauskas for joining us in hour number one of the show. Nick uh, joining the Boston Celtics on a two-year deal. Celtics last night with a victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. And they gain more ground on the Raptors as Toronto loses to the Detroit Pistons. Raptors trying to get back on track against the Magic tonight. But the good news for the Raptors, last night the Nets lost as well. So Toronto doesn't lose any ground on the Nets. Still three up on Brooklyn, four up on both the Charlotte Hornets and the Atlanta Hawks. So that's how things stand in the Eastern Conference. We're going to go around the league, the East and the West, in a few minutes' time when our friend Tim Bontemps from ESPN joins us. Um, So we'll have lots to dive into uh, with Tim. That Celtics win last night, Jonesy, was certainly a big one for Boston because Memphis, one of the best teams in the West, one of the best teams in the league, and the Celtics are not showing any signs of slowing down. Like, I don't know what got into the water in Boston that wasn't there early or if it was simply just a case of a core that for the most part has been together but that had a new voice a new leader, yeah. a new direction, yeah. and it took them some time to figure things out and to learn the system and to learn what's wanted. And now, midway point, a little bit beyond the midway point, they're starting to do a lot of damage. Well, we always say that, E. It, when a new coach comes in, it's a new system. Uh, it takes time to adjust to it. And, and, and you know, who knows? Maybe there's, maybe there's some, some head knocking. Uh, some, you know, you got to convince. You got to get the buy-in. Uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. And especially Ime Udoka, the teams that he's been with, the Spurs, the Nets. I mean, he's been with successful organizations and, and good teams and, and good coaches and around good players. I mean, just think last year he was in Brooklyn with Durant and, and you know, Kyrie Irving and all of Like, he's seen it. And if you think about what happened in Boston at the beginning of the year, he wasn't afraid to speak his mind and really say some stuff. And some of the media were, were even taken aback that he was being that, quote, honest and open, unquote, about what was going on. And maybe he, in the master plan, he has it all coming together now. So, um, yeah, that, that was a good win. And that's, that shows Boston's for real. There's, there's, no, there's no backing up now. They vaulted to be a threat. And... Just to add one more team into what I think is a very difficult Eastern Conference. Have we lost E? Oh, we're back in here, Jonesy. Sorry. Okay, Gremlins, Gremlins. Gremlins, Gremlins for a moment, but I because I, I heard myself sounding like a transformer, so I guess I wasn't coming through. It, it doesn't happen. It happens very rarely in the uh, in the Smith household here. The, uh, I pretty much sit on the uh, router to make sure that we've got a strong signal. But I guess you weren't hearing me sounding like Optimus Prime for a second. What I was saying was, I agree with you in terms of a very dangerous East because you can make a case for at least four if not five or six teams. And as Eddie Johnson said to us yesterday, he thinks even the Raptors have a better chance of winning the title than the Nets. So if, yeah. if you or I or other people are including the Brooklyn Nets in those top five, six teams that have a shot at the title, well, at least one former NBAer doesn't even believe they're in the mix. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what does it say about Toronto? In a, quote, growth slash rebuilding, unquote, year, that they are... They are right in the mix, and 
uh, it's it, the, the the playoffs in the East, the play-in, and then the playoffs in the East are going to be terrific. And if you're if you're Toronto, try try to get out of that. Try to get out of the pit. Try to get out of the play-in tournament because it is going to be. Uh, it's 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 game sevens, right? If you're if you're, it's seven eight, uh, and then not if you're nine or ten, you have to win two. If you're seven eight, you have to win one to get in. It's 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 game seven, it, it really. And we need to give this a name. E. It can't be just the play-in tournament. Those are playoff games. Any to me, any time you're playing one game. And you have to pack your locker the next day if you lose. I call that playoffs. I, I I really do. Even if it's the end of the regular season. A few years ago, Denver and Minnesota went through that last game of the season. Winners in, losers out. Man, that's playoffs. So going back to that's what why I started, said, call it the wild card. Why can't it be called the wild card? Why can't you have a couple of wild cards? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they use like it in it. football. They use it in baseball. Why can't we call it the wild card? It's playoffs. Yes. And we consider wild card playoffs, right? So we're getting we're getting caught in semantics, I guess, because the NBA established that from the beginning by calling it play-in. Well, no, it's playoffs. It's a wild card. You're looking for one of those wild card spots, or you're in a wild card spot looking for that final playoff spot. It's not a play-in. I don't know. Let's put it put it on your list, Jonesy. How long is your list now in terms of all your rules and suggestions and ideas for the competition committee and everybody else? I mean, this you're going to need a, just... you're going to need a binder soon. Yeah, I just need a I just need a, a three hour meeting with them and some video, and I'm good. <laughs> no, I think you need more than three hours. I've been hearing this stuff for seventeen to twenty years. You're going to need more than three hours. I well, guarantee they've already, that. They've already done some of the stuff that I wanted them to do. So, it, 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 but the big ones at the top of the list, I probably need a few hours. All right. Okay. Fine. I'll I'll, I'll accept that. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get Tim Bontemps into the mix in a couple of minutes time. Maybe we can ask him to to sit and listen to some of your uh, rule suggestions and whatnot, and he can he can take it to some of the brass as well. Um, I know one of the topics we're gonna dive into with Tim. Uh, I guess I'm gonna tease it a little bit right here. I mentioned it in our first hour briefly, but what in the holy heck continues to happen with the Los Angeles Lakers? I know we were even talking about it in the group chat. Uh, our producer, Mark Boffo, suggesting maybe it's time to just even shut down LeBron, save him from himself, save him from any further injury. Like, are you throwing in the towel on the season? You're, you're still in that play-in wild card scenario. So stranger things have happened. Uh, but if you sit him down, you're certainly not going to be better. I mean, right now, they're not any better with him, but you're certainly going to be a heck of a lot worse, I would imagine, if you are playing without LeBron James. The Lakers now have uh, stayed in that ninth spot, but only a game up on the Pelicans, and they've lost four in a row, two and eight over their last ten games. In fact, other than the 0-10 Rockets, uh, nobody is worse than the Lakers right now over the last ten games other than the Houston Rockets. Like, it's, it's bad. It's bad, and I don't know how to fix it. E, did you see the news conference with Russell Westbrook last night? I don't know if you saw I, it. I saw a couple he, of clips. I didn't see the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, and he was, and the same thing. He was, um, he, he was. I don't know if obstinate's the right word, but he was, he was, nice back and forth with the reporter uh, about you and what you envisioned. And Russ was like, "Oh, what did you envision? What did you envision?" And for Russell Westbrook to say. 
No, I didn't. I didn't have any expectations coming in here. That's. I don't believe that. I, I just. I can't. I can't take that at face value, Russ. I'm sorry. You were coming to L.A., home to UCLA, where you went to school, home to L.A., and you're coming to play with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and you had visions of a ring dancing in your head. Don't tell me you had no expectations. And I, I, I think they're they're getting tired of being uh, held accountable for poor performances and a really disappointing season. And they're, the heat's coming to them from people who are saying, wait a minute, you guys were talking championship. You're barely above the line now in the play-in tournament. Yeah. And, and people are asking them about it, and they don't like it, and rightfully so, but they have the ability to fix it with their play on the court. And... Maybe some of that, those questions, instead of going to the players, can go to Rob Polinka and management and, you know, the people in team operations. But at the same time, you have to answer those questions, I think, honestly, as players. And it was really, it, it wasn't openly contentious last night because somebody's obviously talked to Russ about not just uh, being tempestuous and just going off about it. But it was it was kind of it was good theater last night because he kept asking the reporter, "What did you envision for me? You know, you're speaking for me. What did I envision? Go ahead, you tell me what I envision." And and I don't know who the reporter was, but he was very calm and basically saying, "Come on, Russ, you didn't think you were going to be in ninth with 20 games to go in the season." And and although I will say this. Westbrook did make a good point to what we always say. Do you want to play the Lakers in the playoffs? No. So when he said that, well, the season's not over yet, he's right. But there's also the, you know, the Bill Parcells. You are what your record says you are. And mm -hmm. right now, the Lakers, it's not great. It's not great. You know what, I, I, Jonesy, we've been around this a long time, so I don't want to sound like, like, naive or, or I don't even know if that's the right word, naive or even childish or, or ignorant or whatever else. I know that I could, I mean, <laughs> athletic skill aside, I know I couldn't be an athlete because I probably couldn't deal with the media myself. That's where I will say the frustration I can understand to some extent because it's just coming at you in waves every single day, especially when you're playing poorly. But I flip that to some degree and say, you know what? I feel like I'd be the type of person, you know the way I am. I'm, all, I'm honest to a fault, I think. Oh, you'd make I, I would headlines. come out. You'd make headlines. Like, I'd be like, listen, we're terrible right now. I'm not playing well. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think we'd be here. I thought we'd be winning a championship. But or and I probably but like after I've said that once, don't ask me about it again. Because what do you want me to say? I my, my honestly, the next day my answer would be like, dude, seriously. Like I just gave you gold yesterday. I answered all your questions. You think you think my feelings any different after another loss? Or even if they win. Hey, honestly, man, you really think that I think we're planning the parade route now just because we got one win? Come talk to me in two weeks when we maybe won four or five together, and then we can chat again. But honestly, otherwise, stop bugging me, man. Like, like I would give you what you wanted, but if you kept coming at me, I would, I'd lose my mind. I would yeah. lose my mind. I wouldn't be able to handle it every day. I know I wouldn't. You can see the Lakers. Like Frank Vogel. I saw a couple of clips from Frank Vogel after, and he looked... He looked like an accountant because he had the pencil and he kept tapping it and flipping it and tapping it and flipping it. And it's like, and he was, he was answering, he was respectful, but you could tell 
he was irritated. He was he. It, it, the questions were exacerbating the situation, and it was. It, it's kind of funny to see. And I, I'm with you. I would have said that, and the next day would be, hey man, I answered that yesterday. It's the same thing. Just go and use the quote from yesterday. And here's the thing that I think the reporters understand, but they're just doing their job. I would say if I was in the Lakers position, or as you said, if you were an athlete, E, it's not like I'm trying to be lousy. It's not like I'm, <laughs> yeah. it's not yeah. like, it's not like I don't care. I'm going out there. It's like, yeah, who cares if we win? I got my money in front of all these people. I just want to look like crap. It doesn't matter. Like, no, like that's the other side. I think that athletes want to come out with that they feel people asking the questions don't see. It's not like we're trying to lose. You know, like the whole tanking thing. Front offices tank. Players and coaches don't tank. They are out there competing because of the nature and the makeup of, uh, you know, their DNA within the game. They're trying to do their best. It may not get, they may not get the results they want, but they are trying to do their best. So uh, all that said, it's fantastic theater in L.A. right now. It, it really, it really is. And Mark Boffo, our producer, made the point, if you shut LeBron down now, though, what about all those records he's got in mind, right? Like trying yeah. to catch Kareem, or maybe it was you that said in the group chat, five minutes to go down 20 and LeBron's still out there trying to do work. Well, he's also trying to catch Kareem for the all-time scoring in, in a few years. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I wonder about, uh, I always wonder about records when they are broken and putting some perspective on them as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's great theater in L.A., though, E. Great theater. Uh, it's great theater, no doubt about it. Uh, great theater with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, we're still trying to track down Tim Bontemps, uh, so we'll get him into the mix in a couple of moments. Um, but we can continue on this, because I will admit, talking about great theater, Jonesy, great television, well, or not. I will fully admit, folks, I shut the game off last night. I, I made it, I think, into, in fact, here, here's the God's honest truth. The God's honest truth was I, I made it through uh, most of the first half by the time I got home from the Raptors game, what I caught of the first half. And then Jonesy and I were texting back with one another as the second half was about to begin. And I think I even said to you, Lakers down 20. I'm shutting it off. Time to go to bed. And I'm not normally in bed till at least 1.30 or 2 a.m. And I thought, you know what? This is a perfect time to just... Hit the, hit the bed a little bit early and go to sleep. And so I shut it off, and I didn't hear it. But Charles Barkley on TNT, on Inside the NBA, <laughs> says, I'm not game. using the word Lakers anymore until they win a playoff game. He calls ESPN and TNT nitwits for putting these losers on television and then jokes later that Bronny needs to get out of Sierra Canyon and come to the Lakers and help his dad and help the Lakers. The team from Southern California. The team from Southern California, he calls them. And I was just waiting for the line where he would say something like, uh, you know, even though the guy's alive, Charles would say, Somewhere Kareem's rolling over in his grave. <laughs> That's, that, I mean, he said it. He said it with other teams too, and guys have been alive. I'm like, Charles, how can you say that? The guy's rolling over in his grave. He's walking the street still. But, uh, but you know what? He does make a point with putting these guys on TV all the time. Yeah, they're not that great. But then again, they are who they are, 
and everybody wants to see. I wonder how our man Bontemps is is watching the train the train wreck that is L.A. right now in the Lakers. Well, he's 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 on the line right now. <laughs> Tim Bontemps from ESPN. Tim, thanks for joining us as always. Hey guys, how you doing? Good, Tim. Be- better than the Lakers, I guess. Like like Tim, it's it's been the ongoing question all year. I'm sure we've asked it to you. Like, there's 20 games left now, basically. What, like, what, if anything, can be done, and, and can they even, you know, find some semblance of turning this thing around or finding some sort of momentum going into the play-in slash playoffs? Yeah, man, it, it's it's just hard to see how that's going to happen. Um, I mean, when you look at this team, they've had structural flaws all season long. They have not changed. And when you look at the... Um, when you look at where they're at now, it's just hard to see how it's going to change between now and the playoffs. Like, you know, I guess they could get AD healthy, and if you have LeBron and AD playing 45 minutes a game, maybe you can make all the noise in the playing tournament in the playoffs. But I just, it's just hard to see how that's going to happen at this point. I think it's, you know, pretty much a lost cause. If you see the way they're playing, I think the players know it's a lost cause, and it's just going to be a pretty ugly run down the stretch here. Tim, and we're all in the business, and, uh, you know, it, it seems like a guy like Russ in particular who is not, uh, who can be uh, you know, contentious at times with the media. Is this, do you figure for some of our, our colleagues out there, this is a little get back with, with all that's going on because they have to trot those guys out there after every game and it just seems like they're – I don't think they're purposely trying to egg him on, but they're looking for some honest answers from him. And there are times when a guy like Russ, it just seems like he doesn't want to give in. The stubbornness, uh, you know, the obstinance doesn't have him want to give in and say, yeah, what you guys are seeing is what is actually happening. Yeah, I mean, Russ has always been like that. I mean, he's never really been willing to admit fault at any point and you know the bottom line is i have said that he is a lot like um he is a lot like alan iverson that he has always played a very certain way and has had a lot of success playing a certain way and as his career as as he ages in his career and needs to adjust his game he is not going to be able to do that and as a result um, he is going to have a very rough exit from the NBA, and that is what is happening. I mean, he, you know, he has the ability to shift his game and do other things to help teams win, and he is not going to do that because he believes that the way Russell Westbrook plays is the way Russell Westbrook plays, and that should be the way it's going to go. And you know, that's, I mean, the fact is the way Russell Westbrook plays is a, a pretty terrible NBA player at the moment who makes forty-five million dollars. And, it, you know, I mean, he's probably the most destructive player in the league at this point. And uh, it's just hard to see how he's going to be in the league when his contract is up. Because, you know, as you guys know, in today's NBA, if you're not able to shoot, it's a pretty big disadvantage. And not only is he not able to shoot, he's throwing the ball over the place. He doesn't guard anybody. I mean, it's, it's a pretty, pretty toxic combination of stuff. And, you know, it, it's why I didn't understand why the Lakers made the trade in the first place. And it certainly... Um, has played out even worse than I could have imagined, frankly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's, it's funny, Tim. I know the number, 
but I think I it's when somebody else says it like as you were talking there I'm, I'm standing here alone in the the home office just smiling when you said he can't shoot the ball making 45 million I'm like 45 <laughs> it'd be bad enough if it was 4.5 45 million dollars like again I know the number but hearing somebody else say it it's just bananas to think about the amount of money this dude is making and the the performance that he's turning in I mean again not to single him out it's 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 a team-wide issue right now the Lakers are just not good right now and and we keep saying Tim you don't want to see the Lakers come playoff because they've always got the x-factor of LeBron do you believe that as well or could they be just a cakewalk for anybody at this point Oh, I think they're going to get destroyed by anybody. It's I, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not even sure they're going to make the play in. But but yeah, I mean, I think if you look at if you have AD and LeBron, you can at least pretend that you have a chance, right? And I guess there's a world where if those guys are healthy, that maybe they figure out a way to lock in for the playoffs, and you know maybe they can make a run. I, I mean, there's a world where that happens. I just it's just hard to see it based off the way they're playing. I mean, they're getting absolutely pole-assed every game. I, I just don't, I, I just don't see how that's going to go from whether they're at now to them making some kind of serious playoff run. It's just it's very, very hard to see how that transformation takes place. Yeah, Tim. Tim, let's transition to the top of the West. Um, a question, a, right, a, a, a an ongoing question in my mind is, how good is Memphis? Uh, are they built for the playoffs? They're having a terrific regular season. Uh, are they built for the playoffs and a seven-game series against a team below them that they could draw that has more experience um, and and might be able to slow them down and play more of a half-court grinding playoff-style game? I think they're built for it, but I also am curious, Jonesy, to see how they play in the playoffs. I mean, they obviously um, they've been unbelievable to watch this year. I just watched them here in Boston. Celtics beat them last night. Um, you know, a couple things about them that could be problematic are, you know, they've really relied on their depth. And as you guys know, depth sort of becomes less important in the playoffs when teams shorten their rotation. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. They also are a pretty iffy outside shooting team, right? They're the best paint scoring team in the league, but it, it's hard it's hard for them at times to, to make enough shots. And, you know, last night the Celtics really packed the paint. And while John Morant and Desmond Vane got going in the second half and went 9-14 from three in the first half, they shot four for 21. And, you know, I think teams are going to really dare them to shoot the ball a lot of the time. We'll see how that goes. But, I mean, this team has a lot of early Golden State vibes for me. Um, you know, they, they remind me a lot of the like 2013-14 Warriors right before they really took off and became a supernova. You see John Morant jerseys whenever they're in games now uh, on the road. People come early to watch them warm up. I mean, it's it's really becoming a, a an event to see Memphis play. And I, I think that, you know, assuming health for Ja, and if they can add one more piece, they can get their Andre Iguodala. You know, the, the Warriors kind of added to be sort of the final piece of the puzzle there. Um, I think they've got a chance to really just be, be poised to take over the league here in the years to come. So we'll see what happens in this year's playoffs. They're probably not quite good enough to get all the way there this year. But, you know, if Jock can stay healthy, um, you know, I think Memphis is going to be a force to be reckoned with for a very, very long time. Speaking with Tim Bontemps from ESPN, host of NBA Stock Report on YouTube as well. Hey, Tim, you, you mentioned the Grizzlies. 
Uh, listen, obviously they're not going to win every night. They had a tough one last night against the Celtics. Uh, Boston pulling away and getting the victory uh, over over the Grizz. And Boston, one of the hottest teams in the NBA. I know you cover them uh, quite extensively as well. What's been the difference in the Celtics the better part of the last four, if not six-plus weeks, and how they've been able to get their season on track to the point where they are vaulting up the standings in the East? Well, it's a few things. I mean, one is they have the best defense in the NBA now. And when you're you're, you're playing defense like they're playing defense every day, um, that's going to help you win a lot of games, right? So that's the first thing. Second thing is uh, they traded for Derek White, who has been an absolutely perfect fit with their team. Um, all season long when they were struggling, when they were 25 and 25, 50 games through the season, I kept saying that the Celtics had a bad mix of players around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown because – um, those guys, while they're are not, you know, they're not great playmakers, and so you need to surround them with guys who are going to make quick decisions with the ball, and um, you know, are not going to hold it. And by moving on from Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson and replacing them with Derek White, uh, they the team functions just vastly better now than it did before. And the other thing too is, Ime Odoka is basically playing seven guys when they're healthy, and they're seven really good players. Um, not too dissimilar from what uh, Nick Nurse is doing in Toronto, really. Yeah. And, you know, now they've had a couple of injuries. Jalen Brown's missed a couple of games. He should be back for Sunday's game against Brooklyn. Uh, but when those seven guys are playing, they have seven very good defensive players. They have no holes. They all know how to play. They all can shoot. Um, Robert Williams has been one of the most approved players in the league this year. So, you know, it's been remarkable how they've completely turned their season around and went from a you know, sort of meandering 500 team to one that, you know, looks like it could make a serious playoff run in the East. But, you know, things have fallen together just very perfectly for them. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, if I was one of these teams in the East, I would not want to play Boston in the playoffs because they are going to be a really, really, really tough out. Hey, hey, hey Tim, um, it's funny. Uh, you talked about what Nick Nurse was doing in playing limited guys. I, I just wonder... Are the minutes police out in Boston with Ime Udoka the way they were out with Nick, with Nick Nurse in some parts of Toronto and around the league? Well, oh, he's he's a, he's riding guys, he's playing guys. Hey, man, you're trying to win. You're trying to, and and why wouldn't you play your best players if you're trying to win? And Ron Rothstein, we had Eric and I had him on. He said, take care of winning first. Don't worry about that other stuff. So I'm just curious, as if to, uh, as if the you know, are the minutes police out in Boston looking at uh, how much those guys are playing, a limited number of guys are playing? Um, I would say that they're not quite as bad as the way – well, I should say that Emi is not playing guys to quite the extent that Nick has been. Uh, so I think there's a little less of a need for it. And they also haven't had some of the injuries that have started to pile up, like with you know Freddie's knee has bothered him and stuff. So uh, that hasn't really been the case yet. And frankly – the Celtics went from a team that was sort of disinteresting, disinterested and, and not interesting to watch to one that's blowing through the league and people are very excited here. So um, so that hasn't happened yet. But, you know, if they start having injuries, I think it will happen. But, you know, look, it's been, you know, it's been a couple of disappointing years for Boston in a row and for them to be playing like this again. Uh, people are just very excited about what's going on. Hey, Tim, the answer might be obvious based on what happened with last night's events, I suppose. Boston now leapfrogging Cleveland. They're into the fifth seed. The Cavs have dropped to six. The Cavs have gone from as high as, I believe, three down to six now. 
is that the team? Like, do you think the way Boston's playing, they're going to stay top six? Like, if you're Toronto, if you're Brooklyn, heck, I guess Charlotte, Atlanta, if you're trying to eyeball even a, a glimpse of the top six, is Cleveland the team you're now circling? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're the, they're the, um, they're the one that I think is the, the option to, uh, to go. Um, and, I, and I think they will. I, I think that, you know, if I had to predict, I would predict that Cleveland falls out and Toronto moves up. Um, you know, again, we'll see if Toronto can stay healthy and how Fred's knee looks. Obviously, if he isn't healthy, that's going to change that. But um, the Cavs have been sinking like a stone for a while. They've had all these injuries with their guards, and their schedule gets pretty tough, but I expect them to keep losing. So I certainly think that they are the team that if I'm one of the, like you said, if I'm Toronto or one of these teams not in the in the playing tournament now, I'm, I'm looking at the Cavs and saying we need to catch them because that's our option to, to get out of it. Uh, Tim, uh, the East, and, and Eric and I were talking about it, the East is going to be a bear. I mean, even in the sure. play-in tournament, uh, even in the play-in tournament, uh, those, are, those are game sevens. I mean, you think about right now, you know, ter- Toronto, uh, you know, Brooklyn, like, at, like down at the bottom there, that is going to be really, really tough sledding. Sure is. It's going to be it's going to be a hell of a playoffs. I'm really excited for it. I mean, you look at the way the East has been in years past, and um, it, it's not going to be it's not going to be like that anymore. Um, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a real challenge to get through the playoffs. I mean, you're it, you're going to have to really grind, and um, uh, you know, it, it's you're going to arguably have to beat three really good teams. Um, to make it through, even if you're playing a team in the playing tournament. I mean, if you're if you end up with you know Brooklyn or or Toronto or Atlanta in the first round of the playoffs, you're not going to feel great. I mean, you you probably win the series if you're you know Milwaukee or Miami or Philly or somebody if you're the one or two seed, but you're not going to feel good about it, right? I mean, that's a real. That's those are teams that have you know pretty interesting present pretty interesting challenges. So um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be super fun. I'm really excited for it and. You know, the East is a, is stronger than it's been in a generation, and I think it's set up to be really good for a long time, which for those of us who are out here in the East covering it, it should be a lot of fun. Tim, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks for joining us, and uh, be well. We'll hopefully talk, and as I always say, see you one of these days. All the best. <laughs> I hope Thanks, so, Tim. guys. Take care. Tim Bontemps from ESPN, host of NBA Stock Report on YouTube as well. So make sure you check him out. Uh, you can follow him on social media on Twitter, at Tim Bontemps. Um, we're going to step aside, quick little break, bring a guest on that we had a few months back to talk about a show, a book that he wrote that was turned into a television show, a series, Showtime. It's going to premiere on HBO this weekend And we will chat with Jeff Perlman when we continue on Smith & Jones. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptors Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And that's the theme song from Winning Time, which premieres this Sunday on HBO. And joining us on the line right now, we had him a few months back to uh, first talk about this, uh, the author of the book Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers dynasty of the 1980s, which was turned into this upcoming series, the author of that book, uh, multi-time author, Jeff Perlman, joining us right now. Jeff, thanks for the time as always. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. 
Hey, Jeff, uh, I want to go to a a conversation that I heard uh, a couple of weeks ago. Adam McKay, the the executive producer of this upcoming series, was on uh, the Smartless podcast with with Will Arnett and Jason Bateman and... uh, uh, I'm forgetting the I'm forgetting the third guy. How did I forget the Sean Sean? Uh, why, how am I forgetting Sean's last name? Anyways, he was on the Smartless podcast. Sean, uh, Jeff, Sean. say it again. I said Jeff Sean. We can just call him Sean. I don't yeah, we can just call him Sean. <laughs> Either way, he was discussing Sean Hayes. Thank you, man. I had an absolute vapor lock there, Sean Hayes. Jeff, he was discussing the series coming up and and making the series overall and in the conversation revealing how much of a sports fan he is, but more so how much of a hoop head he is, a basketball fan in general. When it came to taking your book and turning it into a script, how much do you think that that helped the process, that this wasn't just uh, you know, a producer that was looking at a book saying, oh, this, this would make for a great television, but it was actually somebody that was invested as a fan in the game and in the history as well? All right, it's actually funny timing that you asked me this question because um, yesterday I recorded a podcast. They're doing a podcast to go along with the series, and it was recorded in Adam McKay's offices, one of the offices for his production company. And I, I needed to use the bathroom, and someone said, just use Adam's bathroom, right? So he has a bathroom off of his office. I'm not making this up. I go inside. I actually took a video of his bathroom. His bathroom walls are basketball cards. Like the like, picture four walls of a bathroom, and all the walls are covered completely, neatly, perfectly angled, uh, roof to, to floor with basketball cards, and that's what his bathroom is. So you can sit there on the toilet for twenty minutes, and you'll see J.R. Reed next to Bill Bradley, next to Kareem, all these cards. <laughs> it was the craziest freaking thing I've ever seen. I was taking pictures in his bathroom to send my wife. So. The guy loves basketball, and I didn't know who – I'd never heard of Adam McKay before I met him. Like, I Googled him right before a meeting. I'm just not that into anything. And uh, he was all about the Lakers, the nuance, the details. I mean, I, I went to the premiere. There was a premiere party uh, two nights ago, and he gave this speech, and he was talking about Drexel playing uh, – LaSalle in a basketball game in 1992. Like, the guy is hyper, hyper focused on basketball, and I just think that has everything to do with this. Like, they brought the project to him. The idea was brought to him by a screenwriter named Jim Hatch, and McKay was just all in because this is really his passion. Jeff, uh, Jonesy, let me jump in for one second. Okay, here. I, okay. I, I think I think we've got lines crossed a little bit here, Jeff. We can hear you, but not as clearly as we'd like, so it's probably something on our end. We're going to give you a quick call back, and we're going to see if we can find a cleaner phone line, and we'll get Jeff Perlman back into the mix in a second, Jonesy. I can't believe I forgot Sean Hayes' name, by the way. So, so uh, not that he's going to get, not that he's going to hear this or, or find out, but but I, I completely vapor locked on his name. Uh, but that Smartless podcast, by the way, shout out to the Smartless podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it's worth a listen. They have a lot of fantastic guests on there and Bateman uh, and Arnett especially are, are are fantastic in terms of the the razzing and the ribbing uh, that they that they uh, kind of do to one another so I will um, I will make sure that uh, I get Sean Hayes's name right and we'll get Jeff back into the mix here in a couple of seconds Jones, but that has to help when you're doing a show like that right and you've got a hoop head a basketball fan that's going to sure. make things that much better for sure I, and I just got I just got a new idea I know Jeff's back with us so before I ask him my question uh, Eric, uh, Jeff, Eric knows me, and I, 
I never throw my media credentials out. It's kind of a superstitious thing with me. I'm not superstitious. I figure the first time I take it for granted and I throw one out, they're going to stop coming and I'm going to lose my job. So, um, so I've, I've got an idea now for decorating my bathroom. I'm just going to take all those passes and, and wallpaper them and plaster them onto the wall. It's not Bill Bradley or Dave DeBusher, but uh, it gives me an idea. Jeff, was, was it, how was the, your book and this idea for the series... I'm curious about how it was received by the the actual Showtime Lakers. Like, have you had any conversations with Magic or James Worthy or guys that were actually in it? And, and, and you know, you wrote about it. Now it's being turned into this production by HBO. I'm just curious as to how they felt about it, like, in terms of it, it, the accuracy of the depiction and the whole where it's going with the movie. I mean, it's Hollywood. They've seen movies and stuff before, but just thoughts if you talk to anybody like that. I just want to make sure. Can you guys hear me clearly? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, no. So it's interesting. Um, Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Lakers, is someone I've known for a long time, and I know well, and she... Uh, she, you know, I used to teach uh, at a university out here in California. She would come to talk to my class, uh, really good person, et cetera. And she has not talked to me since the show uh, came to be. Like, she just, oh I think they're very, yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer. And, um, you know, Magic came out recently and said, uh, I have no interest in the show. Kareem came out against the show. And I just have to think more than anything I, I hate to be cynical, but I'm kind of cynical that it probably comes down to money to a certain degree and that there's a show. It's about this era of your life. It's about you in many ways, and you're not getting any money and you're not getting any editorial control. And you experience this when you write books too. And people say, well, why should I talk to you? I'm not, you're not paying me and I don't have any editorial control. So they're clearly not thrilled by it. I know the Lakers have tried announcing a bunch of their own projects that they're going to do a documentary and, um, a sitcom, and it seems like it's kind of to battle back this wave. But the wave of this show, and I'm not saying this because I wrote the book, it just it seems like an enormous freaking wave. It really does. So I don't know. Magic said he's not going to watch it. I find that impossible to believe. Kareem has hinted he's not going to watch it. I find that plausible to believe. I guess we'll just see. So, so Jeff, l- let me ask you this then, a two-part question. I, were you uh, at the very least content, if not happy, uh, thrilled with how your book was portrayed when it was made into a script and into a show? Like, was it as accurate as it could be in terms of the portrayal that you presented in terms of what you wrote? Oh, no, definitely not. I mean, I was, wait, I'm thrilled. So part A, yes, I am thrilled. But it's not a documentary. It's a, it's no, a scripted no. series. So, right, so is it is it, you know, word for word with the book? Definitely not. But I don't, I didn't expect it to. It'd be weird if it was like there are dramatic flourishes to this show. There are long monologues from characters that didn't appear in my book because they weren't in my book because it's, it's a TV show. You know, it's based on the book. It isn't the book and it shouldn't be the book. So I'm i uh, I've seen every episode. I think it's awesome. I think it captures the time period amazingly. Well, I think the actors are mind blowingly good, but I was aware from the beginning, like this is the book is, uh, material and it's a building block but it is not what the series is you know so i'm totally happy 
Well, and, and I guess the reason I asked that question, and you know, you and I and Jonesy, we we haven't met. I don't know you personally, but I, I for your sake, just even hearing the you relaying the story of Jeannie Buss or others, is like I would hope that they'd be smart enough to separate the author from the scriptwriter, from the show, from the executive producer, and realize that they're not all in the same boat. Because it leads me to part B of my question. Then, and this is just maybe a, a grander question for you, Jeff, considering all the books you have written, and we just had Ian O'Connor on a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, talking about his latest book with Coach K and whatnot how you build that 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 trust with somebody as you just noted a couple minutes ago that might say hey man i don't even need to talk to you i'm not gonna get paid for this but ultimately somebody does talk to you and then is honest with you hopefully and gives you stuff that ends up being good stuff in your book like how do you forge that type of relationship or trust with someone to be able to get that type of info because it's one thing to do it in a quick little interview you know for tv or radio or something for a minute or two but to know that it's going to be in black and white forever that to me is a skill and an art, and I, I, I guess I'm asking about how you how you've built that with so many people that you've written about over the years, not just Lakers. Yeah, well, I think number one is there's something about the legacy of a book that matters to a lot of people, and that look, this is a definitive biography of a period or of a person, and there's some weight to that. And then you say, I'm not saying I'm anything special, but you say, look, I've written X number of books. X number of these books have been on the New York Times bestseller list. If you look at my career, I'm not just trying to make a buck off this. Like, I put everything I have into this project. Like, I'm working on a Bo Jackson book now that's coming out in October. And um, Bo Jackson is not a guy who trusts many people, and he doesn't really trust me. Like, he called me. We spoke for a long time. Um, He didn't help. But when I call people, and the same thing I said to him, every time I communicate with him, is basically, look, man, your legacy is actually really important to me. And that 100 years from now, people remember the importance of Bo Jackson and what you meant to sports and what you meant to sort of pop culture and what you meant to society. And that's what I'm trying to build here. So when I call people, I always try to emphasize that. And when I'm talking to the people themselves, I try to emphasize that. And sometimes it works and sometimes it's a disaster. You just never know. Jeff, as a, as a, a basketball guy, um, and we just had – we talk with our colleagues on this show almost daily – about the current version of the Lakers and yeah. oh gosh, what a yeah, what a train wreck they are. Um, is this? Is, is there anything in the making around chronicling this particular season um, with LeBron and all of what's going on? I mean, I don't know if it's a book or uh, is there is there anything to that? Are we going to look at this as a blip? Are we going to look back and say, hey, maybe this year we should be there? There should be something written about it all the dynamics that are going on? So it's funny. I've had this conversation because people say, oh, you're going to make it a trilogy because I wrote the Shaq Kobe book that I uh, called Three Ring Circus after Showtime. And they're like, oh, you're going to do the LeBron era. I think the big problem is, at least thinking as a book, nobody would want to live this season. Like I live in Southern California (laughs) and I've never, all you hear, this this is a sports area that is relatively laid back and casual, but I've never heard more angry fans than I've heard this year about the Lakers. And I feel like the minute Russell Westbrook is an ex-Laker is the minute you'll hear an actual celebratory shout out of the entire Los Angeles, the greater Los Angeles area. It's just been a total disaster and a mess, and people are really angry and upset. So I don't know. I've written books about my two worst-selling books are about Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. 
And I just think there's something to be said for not writing books about people who other people don't really enjoy. And this season has been just a minefield for the Lakers. Speaking with author uh, and writer Jeff Perlman, uh, author of the book Showtime Magic, Kareem Riley and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s. It's been turned into a series on HBO, Winning Time, which premieres this Sunday. Maybe the better book, I, I don't know, I don't, don't mean to sit here and be pitching you ideas because I, I, I sure as heck can't write them. I don't have the talent to do that, Jeff. But uh, speaking to you as an, as an L.A. guy, uh, at least in Southern California now where, where you make home, I'd be interested in knowing about the, the impact of the Rams coming back to Los Angeles because everything I had heard was, and perhaps it speaks to because the Lakers are the team and it's been such a train wreck that they've been dominating the headlines, you would barely even know that the Super Bowl was in town a few weeks back and that the Rams ultimately won the thing because the, the, the interest in football seems like it's, it barely registers. That does not sound like a good book topic. That sounds like a book <laughs> people would read. It's really sad, actually. I mean, the thing is this. There's two parts to this. The owner of the Rams, Sam Crockett, is just a uh, just awful, like just awful, just your typical greedy, doesn't care at all about the fans, you know, jack of all. It's just the worst. And the other thing is, is like it's really interesting out here. And again, I grew up in New York. I grew up a diehard Jets fan. Jets fans are super passionate. They're gluttons for punishment, but they stick around. Like. There's a generation of young football fans out here in California who did not grow up with the Rams. Like, the Rams came back, and it was like, oh, the Rams are back. Well, all these kids out here who are now in their 20s didn't grow up with this team. So the fan base is actually really thin. And I'm telling you, all the, I, I didn't go to the Super Bowl, but I had a lot of friends who were at the Super Bowl. And they all said the Bengals had more cheers than the Rams. And when the Niners came here to play, the Niners had more cheers than the Rams. So if I want to write a book that will sell 12 copies – Maybe I'll merge Russell Westbrook here with the Rams running the Super Bowl. <laughs> Jeff, okay, let me let me. Uh, I, I'm going to tap into your fandom here. Uh, you okay. talked about that when Russell Westbrook leaves, and it's 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 sad because he's a UCLA kid, and that's his area of of you know of of the world. What are you expecting? Like, are you still holding out hope that maybe this team? gets into the playoffs and the magic wand touches them and they go on a run. Are you, are you still, how much of that hope are you still holding out? All right. So first I have to say, I'm definitely not a Laker fan or any fan. Like I just, I just enjoy sports. Like I'm not, I don't root for the team to win or lose. Um, but it's funny watching this era. I think this, this is one of the worst constructed teams I've ever seen in my life. It's actually really fascinating. They are so poorly constructed. It is, there's a kid who lives down the street from me who's a diehard Laker fan, and always he's always like, the Lakers are going to be good this year. I really know they're good. It's almost like he built the team. Like some kid was like, wouldn't it be awesome if we got Carmelo and Westbrook and LeBron? Oh, we should get DeAndre Jordan and then Dwight Howard also on the team. That would be amazing. Like, it's crazy how bad this team is. It is just a, a mess times a thousand. So they'll probably limp in. Let, you know, as a low seed and lose quickly, they just suck. And LeBron's done everything he could to carry this team, but he also damaged this team by trying to be the GM. It's just a mess, man. And the, the worst part is you look around the league and you see Brandon Ingram lighting it up in New Orleans. You see, uh, you know, what Alex Caruso was doing. You saw what Lonzo Ball was doing before those guys got hurt. There are all these pieces around the league, former Lakers, Josh Hart even in Portland. And you just think, man, the Lakers could do some young pieces. And they're just limping along with really bad contracts. Um, people out here are calling for Frank Vogel to be fired as coach. I don't see it. I don't think it's his fault. 
Eric's calling, Eric's calling for that too. Eric's calling for that too. <laughs> Two, three thousand miles away in Toronto. It. I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I don't think it's his fault. That roster is a joke. It's a terrible roster. Hey, Jeff, uh, listen, we'd, we'd love to continue the conversation, but we're up against the clock. I'm sure you're, you're all aware of that. Uh, we've got to step aside, but we'll make sure we uh, shout out the book again as well, and we'll be watching the series starting on Sunday. Thanks again for joining us. All right, thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks, Jeff. There is Jeff Perlman, author of the book. I said I'd shout it out, and here you go right now, folks. Check it out. Get it at Indigo or Amazon or whatever fine bookstore. Support your local bookstores as well. And look for Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers dynasty of the 1980s. It has been turned into a series, Winning Time, which premieres this Sunday on HBO. Thanks to all of our guests, uh, not just today, but this week. Thanks to all of you and to our crew as well. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review. We'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, folks.